Hello and welcome to ESM Squared, the podcast for experienced social media marketers. I'm Emily, your host and long-term member of the marketing team here at Icona Square. Icona Square is one of the leading analytics and management tools for Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. And we're proud to work with some of the biggest agencies in the world and renowned brands such as Patagonia, Sephora, Versace, NASA and ASICS, which is the brand in the spotlight today. If you're new to Icona Square or just haven't got round to checking out our tools before, you can start with the basics by heading over to audit.iconasquare.com and getting a free audit of your Instagram and Facebook accounts to find out once and for all where you're flying high and where you're falling flat. These audits are so helpful and they are the best place to start when it comes to improving your social media strategy with analytics. If you're a regular listener of ESM Squared, you'll know that we have two types of episode. The interviews with social media experts, where professionals share with me their experiences working in social media, as well as their internal strategies, tips, tricks, and more. And we also have tutorial episodes in which I talk about a particular topic which can often be a burning question for social media marketers like you and help guide you into making strong decisions for your social strategy. This episode is an interview and I'm lucky enough to be able to host Andy Griffiths, who is head of social media at ASICS. Andy is a well of information, especially in the field of user-generated content. I'm sure you're going to enjoy listening to his story. Once you're done with this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. Don't forget, you can also trial Icona Square for free for a whole two weeks, and you don't need to share any credit card information to get started. Contact me directly for any questions or feedback via emily at iconasquare.com. Let's get started with the interview. Hi, Andy. Thank you so much for being here with me today. If we could um, start off with some general questions, why don't we start off with the brand ASICS itself? Obviously an iconic brand. Everybody's familiar with it. But could you give me a bit more of a backstory on the brand itself, where you've come from, where you're going, etc.? Yeah, of course. Um, so we're a Japanese company. Not many people know, to be honest, uh, that we're from Japan. The founder, uh, Mr. Onitsuka, he set the company up in 1949. Uh, so just at the end of the Second World War, or after the Second World War, should I say. And he noticed, he wanted to do something for the youth. He noticed that there wasn't much to do in post-war Japan. There wasn't much of an opportunity for kids to get out and enjoy life. It was obviously quite a deprived society at that particular time. So he set the company up um, with the objective of helping kids sort of achieve uh, achieve more and help help them live a happier, healthier life. So the acronym ASICS actually stands uh, for a Latin phrase, which translates as a sound mind and a sound body. And that's very much kind of the ethos that we still live by today of trying to help people achieve a sound, healthy mind through exercise, through movement. Um, and we, we still live by that now, as I say. And that's very much the pursuit we're going in. And we think now more than ever, obviously, the situation we've all been in for the past, I don't know, year or so uh, with COVID, that it's more important than ever. Obviously, a lot of people have been struggling with mental health. And for most of us, or certainly a lot of us, exercise has been the only escape uh, when we've been in lockdown, not been able to go anywhere, not been able to see anyone. Getting out and going for a run has been one of the godsends so we we see that as uh, very important and we want to encourage people to move, stay active. And we think that that's one of the best ways that they can help stay mentally fit as well as physically fit. 
Absolutely. And you can feel that through your social media, in fact. Could you tell me about the team that runs the social media over there, uh, what the different roles are and, and how you fit in? Yeah, of course. We're quite a small team, to be honest. We're based in Amsterdam, where our European headquarters are. There's, uh, we sit within the digital marketing team and we work closely with various different categories. And we have a lady who's responsible for the organic content. We have a lady who's responsible for the paid content. And uh, we also have a media specialist within the team for paid media. And then um, I'm leading those three people. So we all work quite closely together, as I say, with the categories, mainly as the majority of our business is made up from running. Um, and we are quite often considered to be a running brand, although we do do other sports like tennis and rugby, um, handball and things like that. We uh, work really closely with the categories to make sure that we have the right content and we have a digital marketing person in each of the categories who we liaise with in creating that content to, to fill out our calendar on our social accounts. So would you say that was your main goal on social media at ASICS, to inspire and encourage people to pick up sport and do running and, and, and take part in these kind of physical activities through your inspiration that you're able to give through content? Yeah, absolutely. We obviously as well sponsor a lot of athletes and events, um, but it's not just speaking to those people that take part in events and, and maybe consider themselves to be runners. We really want to reach a broader appeal in that and help anyone who to, to live a happier, healthier life, basically. Uh, mental health is a big part of what we're doing and where we're going. Um, and our goal is to help people achieve that sound mind in a sound body. And if we can inspire people to put on a pair of running shoes and go for a run or go and play tennis or whatever it may be, then that's um, a job well done from our end. Brilliant. And how about your, you say people, who are your target audiences? Who's your ideal client? Uh, how do you go about reaching them? Which platforms do you use? We don't want to be too narrow. As I say, we don't want to talk to people that are just interested in running sub three hour marathons or anything like that, or even people that are just running marathons. We want to make sure that we can help as many people as possible live um, a healthier life. And we, we're trying to strike a balance. Traditionally, as a company, we've probably been, our consumers have been perhaps more skewed towards male than female, but we're really trying to address that. One of the other things is, obviously, as a sports company, we do tend to target a younger audience. I'd say the majority of people on our social platforms are sort of between the ages of 25 to 44, and that's kind of where our sort of sweet spot sits. Um, obviously as well we use a lot of the, the main social media platforms big ones for us tend to be Facebook, Instagram, YouTube Twitter to a lesser extent uh, that would be kind of where we tend to focus our time and effort I have actually seen some of your content on YouTube and Instagram in particular um, why have you? Why, why would you say that these platforms are the most important to you? Why, I mean, is there a particular reason why you're not on the more obscure platforms, like or the, or the newer platforms, should I say, uh, TikTok? Um, and how about LinkedIn, for example? Is there a reason why you're putting your focus on on the others? So we we do use LinkedIn. Uh, that tends to be mainly run through. Traditionally, it's been more of a HR recruitment channel for us. We have shifted that recently within the last. 
let's say year year and a half maybe to try and tell the brand message and make sure that we're we're communicating what we stand for uh, to people out there but being completely honest the, the major platforms for us are where we can spread that message more we want to go to where people are we see that generally speaking as i said there's the, that broad audience of people who get out move maybe go for a short little 5k run around the park or all the way up to marathon runners they're all all on the likes of youtube they're all on instagram and going to where the consumers are is more important for us because we can't expect them to all come to us just because we may go to a, a smaller platform or something like that so we really want to make sure that we're giving as many people as possible the opportunity to get out and inspire them to get out and go for a run or go and play sport great yeah it makes sense to just go to where they are where they're sitting waiting for you yeah and talking about the different platforms you use have you noticed that there's a certain type of content maybe that works better than another are you more video more static image i think it's quite interesting actually so we've noticed differences between the platforms uh, obviously our content on youtube is pure video um but even then, on between Instagram and Facebook, which are obviously owned by Facebook, we're noticing differences between the channels and what performs well on one won't perform necessarily well on the other. On Instagram, we tend to notice statics perform a bit better than if we were to do any videos, whereas Facebook, you'd probably say it was the other way around for us. We definitely notice a higher reach uh, on a car- static carousel on Instagram than we would do by posting the video. We've kind of, we do notice as well the types of content we post can differ slightly or the performance can differ slightly depending on what we're posting so we know our audience is quite often interested in our product we we have quite technical running shoes they're very detailed we put a lot of technology into them it's really important for us to make sure we have technically superior products we want to give people uh, the best shoe they can absolutely have and our consumers our users and followers on our social platforms really like those details so we notice a running shoe that's on foot outside quite zoomed in where you can see the details will tend to perform quite well when we're posting it on social uh if we were to do more of a zoomed out shot that shows lovely hills in the background and someone running it might not perform as well so we, we need to strike a balance obviously between making sure that we're not just going down with one piece of content all the time um but we try and also make sure we're giving the consumers what they want and there are differences that as i say between the platforms but that tends to be what performs well particularly on instagram right okay it seems like yeah you're trying to tell a story product placement yeah just the storytelling around it like the lifestyle i guess that that goes with this culture of running and, and being sporty in the asics shoes you speak about reach a lot is that uh, one of the main metrics you pay attention to like which metrics are the most important to you yeah, from an organic point of view, reach is probably the main metric we're looking at when we're looking at the performance of our social posts. It's one that we can compare ap- across the board because we notice, for example, if we're posting a video that people tend to watch it, but they don't tend to like it. Whereas obviously if we're posting a static, people tend to like it and there's no opportunity to watch. So reach is that one metric that we can compare different types of content to when we're looking at what performed well and what didn't perform well. And even going back to what I said earlier about making sure we're getting people to put on their running shoes, obviously the more people we're reaching, the more people we're inspiring to do that, that's 
a good thing from our end. And if we can actually get people to see the post, then that's you know our ultimate objective from an organic social point of view and we've kind of noticed as well there is a a correlation between static posts for example as i say will have a lot of likes when we have more likes they obviously reach more people so that's the one metric that we can take across all our posts that we can actually compare the posts and see what's performing well what the audience likes what the audience doesn't like and I know that you have multiple Instagram accounts, if we just focus on Instagram for a moment, because I believe that you also generate some of your content through micro-influencers, nano-influencers. Can you tell me about ASICS Frontrunner, for example? What's that account about? What's it for? Yeah, so uh, the Frontrunners is a group of runners that was set up a few years back now, which was essentially at the time a group of good club runners. And I think originally we started it in Germany, but then it spread to the rest of Europe. And it's morphed, I suppose, into a community now of different standards of runners. But as you say, they are kind of, I don't want to say smaller, but maybe nano or micro influencers who have in their particular area a a certain authenticity, credibility around running and obviously enjoy running as well. We work with them to make sure that they obviously live our brand they live our brand ethos they believe in a sound mind in a sound body but we work with them to really spread that message broader to the to their communities as well so the front runner account itself on instagram is a ugc account we use the content that the front runners individually produce so they'll be producing it on their local instagram accounts and sharing it with their followers but then we'll choose the best ones that will go onto the actual central front runner account as well. So what is the performance actually like on that account? Are you able to generate any ROI, uh, any new customers through this UGC content? Yeah, the, the account performs really well, to be honest. It's definitely a unique one. I think even within our industry, a lot of the brands offer very polished, finished um content that looks very professional and very nice and there's definitely a place for that but the front runner account being that UGC being a bit more authentic I think people can relate to it a bit more than they would do otherwise and we've certainly noticed that there's a lot of interest in it every year when we have the front runner application phase in January there's a lot of interest in that I think up to sort of 50,000 people across Europe actually apply to be a front runner which is a lot more than the space we have and the, the number of people we can accommodate. Unfortunately, we'd obviously love to accommodate more, but it's it really does work well. And those people that become front runners, and even the people that don't necessarily become front runners, they really live the brand and are keen on spreading that word. And they are the embodiment of what we represent as a brand. So it the account does definitely perform well. It's really relatable for people, adds a a human face to what might otherwise be conceived as a corporate brand or something like that. So I think it's that that authenticity really strikes home with a lot of people and really helps us tell our story in a different way that people really can associate with and become inspired by. Yeah, you really can tell that they are dedicated and loyal brand ambassadors like they are there because they want to be there it's it, it really is uh, it's inspiring to see how you've managed to build this community of of fans who have gone beyond just simple fandom can you just give me an overall just a conclusion i guess to the micro influencers what it's like working with them on social media how your experience has been um setting up this community of people and and what it's like just generally interacting with them 
So we have a few people internally who are responsible for the front runner program, and we obviously work with them quite often regularly. It's a group of people, I think we're up to about 700 in Europe, who, like, like I say, live the brand and love running and love what we do as a brand, but we need to make sure that it's all aligned and measured up into our overall marketing message, and we need to make sure that we're all talking about the same thing at the same time. So there's a lot of coordination that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, there's a lot of interaction between us and the people responsible for the front runner community as a whole. We had a conversation yesterday, actually, uh, we, well, more than a conversation, it was a bit of a workshop on really how we can leverage that now going into the second half of the year. Because one of the things we would like to do is take that authenticity that front runners have and take that the message that they're trying to spread and the enthusiasm, as you say, and that inspiration and really spread it out to an even broader audience. Because a lot of the front runners, I don't know, they may, may have a few thousand followers, uh, some, some maybe a bit more. But we really want to share that with as many people as possible to really spread that message, as I was saying, kind of inspire people to get out and go for a run. So it's behind the scenes, there's a lot of coordination that goes on uh, and then looking at how we can actually take the message and spread it even further, which I suppose is essentially how the, the central front runner account was set up initially in the first place to really use the UGC from the individual front runners and spread that beyond their followers. To use this influence to I mean I guess get to your end game which is to increase the number of people who are interested in ASICs to be able to compete with the big boys I guess increase the the preference for for ASICs through uh, just users actual stories and users experiences I just think it's it's uh, it's a really good idea yeah and I think that's obviously what what we want to do we want to differentiate ourselves as well from the competition we believe that as I said when we were established in Japan there was a reason behind it our, our name it stands for sound mind and sound body so we believe that we have a unique point of view on it and we believe that front runners can be part of that and really share that and inspire people so hopefully that's uh, that's what we're doing with it do you run influencer marketing campaigns and if so can you give an example of one which was a particular success we do i mean most of our campaigns tend to be related to the front runners uh, which we we definitely count as influencers we do tend to do other ones beyond the front runner campaigns, but they tend to be few and far between, to be honest. The front runner campaigns, the perfect example would be one that we've just launched in January this year. We did the uh, what we were calling the Sunrise Red campaign, which was the launch of A, the new brand platform that we had, um, but it's also signified a new dawn and we're really trying to make the link between Sunrise as a, as a concept and um, at the start of a new day and actually give people a, a chance to inspire them to to start afresh start the year afresh get out do some exercise and front runners for us were key part of that messaging we used the content we created for all the central brand accounts was using front runners as models but obviously the front runners themselves were used um, on their own accounts and within the front runner account to really push that message out there and it was really key in uh, creating the buzz behind it because we actually got people to post hashtags uh, which we for each hashtag posted on social we would donate money to mind the charity in the uk so we were a month early in hitting the target of hashtags there which meant we managed to donate a lot of money to a charity which is very helpful 
Can you tell me anything about being head of social media at ASICS that would surprise me? Anything that would surprise you? Um, <laughs> probably many things. I think it's it's definitely an interesting job. I, I do really enjoy it. I think there's a lot of behind the scenes that you perhaps don't take into account when you're looking at our social media accounts. When you go onto our Instagram account and you see what we're posting, probably not realising the amount of work that's gone into creating that individual post or the content, the series that we're currently putting out there. I think the one thing that also would probably surprise a lot of people is we don't just necessarily talk about all a sound mind and a sound body and uh, we're not using it as some sort of marketing thing. As a brand, I think we all quite aspire to live by that. And it's coming from a, a genuine desire to improve people's mental well-being as well as physical well-being so I think that's kind of uh, surprising in a good way I'd say that we're actually uh, we live by this and it's important to us help people achieve a sound mind and sound body is definitely the mission of our company and what we're trying to do Beautiful. Great. We've, we're also, just a sideline here, we're also a, um, a mission-based company at Icon Square. We've got a, a vision and all that. So, uh, so yeah, it's nice to, to work with, uh, with like-minded brands who are trying to do their best for humanity and for planet, I guess. Yeah, and I think it's, it's motivating as well because it gives you a reason. You're not just trying to sell something for the sake of selling something. There's an actual a purpose there that really when you wake up in the morning I was going to say when you go into the office but that's not happening at the minute obviously go and sit at your desk and uh, you're doing something is that there's a underlying motivation there beyond just doing your job right now we're going to move on to four quick fire questions where basically I'm going to ask you the question and I need the first answer that pops into your head okay I'm gonna to have to think quickly yeah. then what takes up the most of your time as a social media professional meetings your three essential tools for social media marketing Icon Square is definitely one of them I think it's great it's been really useful to us over the years a social listening tool of some sort and then an influencer analysis tool. Your favourite accounts on social media, any platform, and then your personal favourites don't have to be work-related. Okay, good. Uh, I am lucky enough to live in Amsterdam, which is an extremely pretty city to live in. And one of my favourite accounts is called Then and Now Amsterdam, which shows pictures from particular areas of Amsterdam, I don't know, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, 80 years ago, whatever it may be, and then shows the same spot now. And they tend to mix the two together as a sort of third image on a carousel where you can see the comparison side by side. I really like that one because it's interesting, obviously, looking back and seeing the streets that you're walking down and how they used to be to compare to how they are now. And it helps that it's Amsterdam, which is, as I say, an extremely pretty place to live. Uh, great. I'll have to check that out. And finally, your advice to community managers. The one thing we're trying to live as a brand is to make sure that we are relatable, we're authentic, and we're also caring. As a company, it's important to us to that people know that we're not just a brand. We want to help people. We want to, as a already said um, our mission what we want to do to help people get out and be more active and live a more active lifestyle but that's also got to relate to us when we're in the social sphere and make sure that people actually can reach out to us and communicate with us and things like that so I think as a community manager I think it's important to be there for your 
community for your audience make sure that you're that there's a feeling of someone behind the brand and there's actually someone there that the users can reach out and talk to or engage with obviously beyond just uh, liking your posts and then not ever seeing or hearing anything from you as a brand behind that yeah that's really good advice to just kind of personify the the feel that you get from through the content and through the captions i suppose as much as possible yeah exactly i think making it relatable and making it not just a, a big company that is almost faceless it's it's really important to make sure that you can add a human touch to that and that people feel that they can interact, that they can reach out and ask a question if need be. I think it's important that the brands do that. And I think unfortunately not enough do do it. Cool. Yeah, you're right. Andy, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure talking to you and learning all about your mission over there at ASICS and the great work that you do on social media. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And that's all for today's episode. Don't forget that you can check out our other tutorials and interviews with experienced social media marketers on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. Please don't hesitate to give this episode a rating and for all questions and comments, or to inquire about being interviewed on ESM Squared, contact me directly via emily at iconosquare.com. 